Hey, everybody. This episode of Clinic Gym Radio is brought to you by our new communication system, Clinic Gym Connect. Now, I said communication system. It's also a marketing system. It's also a customer service system, and it's also a follow-up system. It's all of those things because it is a communication system, and you can't provide great service, great care, or great marketing without great communication. So the secret here is that we want you to use text message-based communication. It's what people do today. If you're just emailing your patients, if you're adding them to email lists through MailChimp and Gmail and all that, man, I just think you're going to struggle to grow. But we have some solutions built into our system that will help you grow and make this year the best year you've ever had in clinic and hopefully in your gym. So check out clinicgymconnect.com. Again, that's clinicgymconnect.com. Hey, welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and I have spent the last 12 years trying to find the perfect model of musculoskeletal healthcare. And I think I found it. I think it's combining chiropractic care with excellent rehab skills and then transitioning those patients into an exercise program at a gym where there's great communication between you and the people running the gym. We call that the clinic gym hybrid model. And over the last two years, we've really been trying to perfect it with the goal of having 100 clinic gym hybrid facilities opening up here in the US. I'm Dr. Josh Satterley and welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I, as always, am your host, Dr. Josh Satterley. And today, it is my pleasure to once again welcome the amazing and incredible man with the best haircut in the business, Kurt Kippenberger. Kurt, how are you, bud? Doing well, Josh. I have you to thank for my haircut, too. So I appreciate you getting of uh, Rogaine. Well, the story that I tell is that you're so smart that your brain got so big, it pushed all the hair follicles out of your head. That's why you're bald. I like that story. I'll stick with that. Okay, good. Yeah, it's better than the one I think you were going to tell about uh, what I said. So uh, instead of our listeners thinking I'm rude, let's just think you're incredibly smart and everybody wins, right? I like it. Sweet. So, Kurt, I wanted to have uh, this kind of series of the podcast. We're getting on people all about the success stories uh, people that have implemented the clinic gym model and uh, enjoy it, love it, fallen in love or fallen out of love. Uh, you, as I understand, have added the the hybrid kind of setup in an already successful chiropractic clinic that you had there in Columbia, Missouri. And uh, I want to talk about how it's going. So uh, for everybody's background, can you give them a little snapshot of kind of what your practice is like and where you're at? Yeah, uh, we've been open 11 years in August, and we started out in a 1,200-square-foot facility that offered chiropractic, acupuncture, dry needling, and some massage therapy. And we didn't really even have any room for even traditional rehab. So we would knock down a massage table, or we would move out the coffee table of the reception area and we would just do rehab wherever we had space because we valued it. We knew our patients needed it. They wanted it. And uh, we would do rehab in a closet. Just didn't matter where, where we would get it done. We would get it done. And so that was August, 2010. We were thankful enough to scale our practice fairly quickly. And we moved into a larger facility in July of 2012 about doubling our space, 2,500 square feet there. And we had a small 15 by 17 room for rehab. And I think that that model worked really, really well. We got a lot of patients well. We had a lot of fun practicing. Uh, We were able to hire and farm out some of the rehab with folks of many different disciplines, uh, athletic trainers, massage therapist, personal trainers, I even had an esthetician that was probably one of my most successful CTAs just because she had a ton of manual therapy experience and she was a total gym rat and just loved everything, exercise and rehab. And then in 2017, we had an opportunity to add another thousand square feet to our clinic. And this is kind of when critical mass was hitting the clinic gym hybrid market. And you and I had talked about it you know, at SFMA seminars and over the phone, but it was really coming to light with what you did with Biomechanics Las Vegas. And after coming out searing your facility, I was really excited to try to emulate that. 
And so currently we operate out of approximately 3,500 square feet. We have about a 700 square foot gym and we run small group classes and our cash-based rehab system out of that, uh, out of that side of the facility. Awesome. So uh, you went from a very, I don't know what I say, traditionally traditional floor plan of individual offices um, in a very cut up space. And you started kind of breaking down some walls and, op- and adding on some square footage and everything to kind of expand the gym portion of your clinic while keeping almost everything roughly the same. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the cool thing about that process is the clinic did continue to grow. It didn't miss a beat. We went from a single doctor practice to as large as a five doctor practice. Uh, We host interns constantly and really consider ourselves a true chiropractic teaching clinic. We value not only our undergraduates and master's program interns, but our Cairo intern program has really flourished over the years. And I think we've been able to offer the students uh, something very unique as far as their last four to eight month learning experience. Yeah. I, I mean, I've met a few of the people that have gone through your internship program and uh, we've talked about some, and I think everybody that goes through your place definitely comes out better, better for it. Uh, it's not always comfortable, but I think it's, you know, you see a demonstration of both, Hey, this has to work as an amazing diagnostic and treatment facility because people come here for pain relief and also it has to work as a business. And so you can't spend an hour and a half on each patient and collect $20. Like that just won't keep the lights on and the doors open. So, well, uh, along those lines, Kurt, so talking about the business model of it, well, what I want to do in this interview, maybe dive is dive into the business successes of the clinic gym hybrid blend, then maybe the clinical successes and then maybe talk about, I don't want to you know, mislead everybody that, hey, it's nothing to worry about. There's no speed bumps, but let's talk about some of the warts and speed bumps and tough parts as well. And by that time, we should uh, be at the end of our drinks and uh, be ready to wrap it up. So there's never an end of the drink, Josh. It's just <laughs> the next one. <laughs> I guess, I guess that's true. Yeah. If you really planned out well and stocked your liquor cabinet, there's no end to the drinks. So it was funny. I went to the doctor the other day and she, uh, you know, the nurse is doing intake on me or whatever. And she's like, uh, do you drink? And I said, yes. And she said, she said, do you drink? And I said, yeah. She said, how often? I said, as often as I can, but you know, life keeps getting in the way. And she <laughs> laughed a little bit. She's like, so what, two or three days a week? I was like, I try for seven, but you know, everything <laughs> seems to get in the way. And so, yeah, probably two or three days a week. Nobody likes a quitter either, Josh. So you no, keep that's that right. Up. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be Anyways, yeah. So uh, when you started out, um, and I know <clears throat> you've kind of been, uh, we've had phone calls and 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 video calls along the way. You've you and I have kind of walked a similar path. You've you uh, came down to the super conference in Austin, Texas, with one trainer that ended up not uh, being the long term trainer, but a very nice person, very smart. And did a great job for us. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go back uh, before it all started. What did you think was going to happen when you started adding the gym? So it's kind of funny. Um, when we started this remodel process, which was laborious in itself, uh, I remember meeting with the contractor and the architects. And like I said, our, our existing space was adjacent to what we absorbed. And we were, we were a very busy three doctor practice at that time. So construction was a little terrifying because I knew that we were going to have to shut down certain parts of the clinic. And there was one time that we were operating out of that 2,500 square foot or square feet. And we literally took everything out of the front, all of our, all of our clinical treatment rooms, our rehab space, our front desk space. And we shoved it into two 12 by 12 rooms, uh, to 10 by no seven by 14 rooms and our bathrooms. And so literally people were coming in our back door, checking in in the hallway during our bathroom. We had one evaluation room. It, it was just a cluster. It was unbelievable. But, you know, honestly, we continued to grow through that time. And I, I was really, really shocked. So, you know, maybe bullet point number one on the business type of successes is our systems were strong enough to sustain a seven month construction project, uh, that was supposed to only take 12 weeks. And, um, 
that that really kind of set the tone of what we needed to create for the gym. And so now we had this space, we had a commodity that I knew would be be popular. We had worked with a lot of studio personal training gyms over the years, and we were very successful in integrating care with fitness, uh, but we just wanted it under one roof. And I, I remember coming to my two uh, chiropractic therapy assistants at the time, Natalie and Mylan, I was like, all right, we've got an ATC and we've got an esthetician that is, you know, just an absolute gym rat. This should thrive. And I kind of just handed it off to him like, all right, go forth and be successful. Here's an FMS test kit. Um, let's see what happens. And it was terrible. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. They had fun. We had some patients that, you know, went through their program and it was okay. We were undercharging. We didn't have a single system in place. And I remember calling you one night. It was late here. It was probably like eight. And I was sitting in the gym and I was like, man, I built this damn thing and nothing's happening. And you, you called me out, which is great. And you're just like, Hey man, like your chiro business has got all these systems. What systems do you have for the gym? And right around that time, we were transitioning into having our new trainer, Christy, come on board. And you had this idea of the super conference in Austin. I was like, great. Can I bring my trainer? And you're like, oh, shit. I didn't think about that. Um, Yeah, bring her. Bring her. That'd be great. And so she was the only trainer there, which was awesome. I, I think that she felt like, you know, not special. That's kind of very pretentious. But um, she felt very valued. Uh, she thought that that was a cool thing. The fact that we were able to come down and learn how to create some systems, which you and Dan Leonard uh, just that's when the light clicked was the super conference. It's like, okay, we make fitness a part of the care plan, not just a part of the building. And we came home, we rewrote our day one and day two systems, and then all of our patient experience systems. And I would say from that day forward, we scaled the gym, not necessarily super fast, but we scaled it a hell of a lot better than what we were doing previously. And we identified some obstacles, we identified some hurdles along the way. And that process took, you know, about a year to get under our feet. And things were gelling pretty well. Um, I think the gym at that point was probably producing close to $4,000 a month. And at that time in our practice, that was probably somewhere around 7% of our, uh, of our monthly revenue. And I was pretty happy with that. My trainer was almost paying for herself. Um, we were delivering fantastic care. Patients were getting better outcomes and just having an overall more fun experience. And then my trainer gave her notice and I was like, crap, she was perfect. And and she had kind so, of built the the system. I mean, she had been there since day one, like hacking, right. hacking it out of solid stone, right? Like, hey, let's create this, this, and this. So it was almost like mm-hmm. you're losing fifty percent of the core of the of the business. But I want to go back right. real quick because you mentioned one thing that I just want people to hear too. You said it was super fun; people loved it. How much enjoyment? And it's hard to quantify, but how much more enjoyment did you feel once you got a gym in your facility? So not doing rehab, but I'm saying like people actually doing like pull-ups, deadlifts, squats with weight, you know, like sweating profusely for more than half an hour. How much did that change the feeling in the office? I think our gym's kind of unique. It's very visible. Uh, We have these big, I mean, gigantic windows or eight or nine foot by nine foot square um, it blends into our reception area, blends into our waiting area. So you, you can't miss what's going on in the gym. And I did that purposefully. I wanted people to say, Hey, what the hell is going on over there? Not only the patients participating in the program, not only our staff or team who are seeing these people just, you know, like you said, doing things that they might not have seen themselves capable of doing, um, you know, deadlifting their body weight, deadlifting two times their body weight. Um, But what I thought was really cool is that chatter started happening in the reception area. And we started getting questions at the front desk like, hey, what's what's that over there? I want to do that. And so we started getting organic referrals just from our clinic that 
these people were under maintenance care. I may have been seeing them for four or five years at whatever, at whatever interval they found appropriate to see me. And then they're inquiring about fitness. And I think that's when we saw the opportunity, you know, there's actually a campaign that we're going to run here uh, over the summer. Do you want more out of your manipulation? Because we have a large maintenance space of a practice after 11 years. And when you really buy into the principles of the SFMA and the functional movement systems, we do a fantastic reset in the office. We give them these amazing tools at home to reinforce what we did clinically. But the reloading and the retraining strategy, even today, I have a woman who's, uh, she's 60. She's very, very unhealthy. She's got lots of comorbidities. She's teeny, like, I mean, 110 pounds. And she was like, I've never been to a place like this where I get my chiropractic treatment. You guys gave me home exercises. And then you make me go work for it in the gym. And I mean, literally that phrase coming out of her mouth, I was like, holy crap, man, if you're 60 frail and and completely dissociated with anything in the physical rehabilitation model and or performance model, and you get it, why doesn't everybody get it? And I think everybody can get it. That's awesome. So, so it's much more enjoyable for both the patients and the, the providers and anybody just sitting in the, the waiting room. I think that's one hard thing that, to explain is, you know, I'm sure you've had those days in the clinic where it's just a slog, Kurt, and you're just like, Dude, I'm getting through this. I love what I do, but my God, today is hard. Oh, yeah. When you come in and you see people high-fiving, sweating, smiling in the gym, man, it makes a lot of that toughness disappear, you know? it's just, Right. And occasionally, you'll hear somebody just scream, woo, and you know they just PR'd on something or they got their first pull-up yeah. or, you know. A loud thud and then a then a woo is is awesome. Yeah. And, you know, it's always, it permeates the the psyche of everybody. So, so you were going, you're telling us a story. So everything was rocking and rolling. You had built your systems. You got it going. Uh, we were at, you know, you came to the super conference and everything was just jamming. I know you guys had both been through the CFSC cause we kind of joined that up with that first super conference. And then uh, the person that built it and, and helped you create everything puts in her notice. Yeah. Take us through what happened after that. So we're kind of fortunate. We had, we had a few players that, we were able to put in that position. One of them is my cousin and she actually covered a few classes for Christy um, when she was either ill or out on vacation. I can't remember which. Uh, We also had another provider that was part-time and she ended up taking most of the reins for the gym and covering all of Christy's uh, group classes. And Kyler did a fantastic job as well. I mean, she really cultivated the patient base. And the nice thing was she was able to really relate that clinical, uh, clinical integration yeah. to some of their activities. Um, and, and let by me, the let way, me just, let me just oh. clean some stuff up here for the listeners. So Christy was the trainer that helped you kind of build everything. Right? Correct. And she was a trainer by certification. She had been training at other gyms. She actually had owned a gym in the past, right? If I remember correctly. Yep. Yeah. Now, she was the one that put in her notice after you'd got this thing. I mean, the wheels were turning, so that's good, right? So she she built this thing. She helped you. She built a bunch of systems. And then I, I can remember the phone call of, uh, hey, she put in her notice. What should I be looking for for somebody else, right? Like, do yeah. I need to only look at trainers or what should I be looking for? And we had a conversation. Uh, I, I remember this like about, you're looking for a skill set of customer service is what you're looking for. So everybody listening, please don't base your hiring of that CA or trainer off of what certifications they have or don't have. Base it off of how much you'd like to be around them and how much your patients like to be around them and people like to be around them. And if you like to be around them a lot, you can turn that person into a trainer, but the opposite doesn't seem to hold true. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I know you're exactly right. We always say hire personality first and then with the, I would say with the Kyra side, you do have to have a little bit of, uh, you had to have a lot of skill actually to thrive in our practice and a lot of practices that are associated with the, the clinic gym hybrid model. But still, like that can be built, it can be taught. They just have to have a good foundation and the bandwidth to be adaptable and coachable. Um, but yeah, the level of empathy and the level of just patient communication, emotional intelligence. You can't replace that with any of the other facets. I don't care how good of a diagnostician, how good of a chiropractor, how good of a trainer you are. If, if you are socially inept and cannot communicate with people, 
it'll be impossibly successful. I love it. Yeah. Uh, and, and we have a course called hiring the perfect trainer and it's all about like, just go for the freaking customer service skills. So if you're looking for a step-by-step method, check out our, our website, clinicgymhybrid.com and look in the courses section and, uh, it's all about hiring a trainer because we've seen this go on so many times. All right. So you hire somebody, you get it, you get it rolling. Uh, what was the high watermark of how, what, so you said before it made 4,000 bucks a month with Christy. That was 7% of total revenue. What's the best it's ever done business-wise um, in relation to the clinic? So our current trainer, Amy, who we hired literally three weeks after shutdown, stay at home, whatever you want to call it. Um, she took the reins from Dr. Kyler and obviously had a little slow time there in the early stages of 2020. And once June kind of hit and, and granted we had to alter a lot of things. We shrank her classes down to sets of two and, uh, masks and social distancing and all those other things had to be in play. Um, but the nice thing about being in a healthcare facility is we were able to keep the gym kind of churning. And, um, Amy, Amy, essential, essential, not just the oils, you know? (laughs) Well, and I'll tell you what, I mean, my wife loves essential oils and I think they smell nice, but yeah, like why isn't fitness considered essential? I think the healthy people did really, you know, better than the, the unhealthy. And that's a whole other topic of discussion. But, um, anyway, Amy, Amy maintained, like she maintained those kind of desperate months and, uh, we started seeing her climb up towards, you know, the, the summer fall junction. And then we hit a little holiday lull and I'm really happy to say, I mean, the last three months she's had record month over record month and she's just up over $6,000 monthly in revenue. And now she's, she's at 10% of our, our monthly revenue. So, um, she's killing it. And, I think, again, we've got better systems, more robust training, not only for our clients, but for our team. And the cool thing is, is, you know, there's a dirty word in, in healthcare business, which is sales, right? Like nobody likes the word sales. You're not selling anything. You're solving a problem, right? Like the problem is, is you can't lift a laundry basket off the floor without having back pain. So let's prove it to yourself that you can lift a, you know, 55 count pound kettlebell off the ground. I don't think, I mean, unless you've got like a towel or a, a basket full of towels from the pool, I don't think we're going to even come close to touching 55 pounds. And so we always want to make people more durable and uh, more resilient. And I think when people feel that, see that, and then apply that at home, that's where the magic happens. Yeah, that that's awesome. Uh, and there's nothing better than I think uh, to counteract the durability idea or the fragility idea, there's nothing better when a patient comes in and says like, oh, I can't do X, Y, Z. And then you can point at, you know, hey, that see Mr. Johnson over there six weeks ago, he couldn't do X, Y, Z. And now look at him, you know, and, and they go, oh, really? And you're like, yeah, and he's way older than you or weaker than you or smaller than you or whatever, you know, and it's just like, oh, well, all right, I guess you guys know what you're doing here. You know, they kind of breaks that like you can tell the patient all day long, but that doesn't mean they actually believe it. Right. One of, one of Amy's first organic clients was a referral from one of our allied health professionals here in town. And, you know, she at the time was 77, um, very, you know, fit otherwise, but she had a, she had a pretty rough knee. She's got medial compartment syndrome, lots of joint collapse, a lot of knee pain associated with that. I saw her through the clinic for, seven or eight visits. And I looked at this individual and was like, you know what? I really think we need to build, build some resiliency, some durability. And one of the things that this provider had told her is like avoid squatting. And, and she was really nervous to squat. And I looked this woman in the face. I was like, well, what's the first thing you do in the morning when you get up, go to the bathroom, let's well, a squat. So at the very least, we've got to be able to do a body weight squat comfortably without pain. And uh, you know, she, she still sees Amy two times a week. Um, it's unbelievable what this woman's been able to recapture in her lifestyle. Uh, she was unable, she loves walking and she was walking three to five miles a day prior to her knee really kind of going down the dumps. And 
I'm not saying she's doing it pain-free a year and a half later, but she's doing it again. She was kind of relinquished to about a mile. And the stuff that I see her and Amy working on is, is pretty unfathomable giving what I know about this woman 18 months ago and to what I see her today. And uh, that I got to be honest with you, you go back to what joys does the clinic gym model bring. It's seeing people take back their lives and, and maybe redefining it to a certain degree. You know, she maybe had some fear avoidance with a lot of movements and she's not barbell back squatting her body weight by any means, but she's sure doing some goblet squats now with a kettlebell, which is pretty neat. You know, one thing that you're reminding of uh, for my, my listeners out there, one thing that's really important that, that Kurt brought up is, you, you know, sales and you got to sell this program to everybody or advise everybody to exercise. Because one thing that is 100% true of all of my clients is every one of them has a handful of people that they never expected to say yes to a membership. It's the unlikely person, the person, like you're saying, 65-year-old woman that essentially has never been a member of a gym in her entire life uh, and has multiple comorbidities. I, I, I can think of a, uh, uh, one of my clients and he, uh, he has a husband-wife combo. They're both diagnosed with stenosis, um, which they wouldn't say is inappropriate diagnosis, but they're the mindset of like, you can label me, but I won't, I don't necessarily have to agree with it. And they join the gym and they're loving it. They flourish. They come every day. And I told them, Hey man, you should have three times a week memberships and that's it. Uh, and these people are, he sold them unlimited and they're like maxing that out. he said, they're literally days. They'll one week, they came five days a week and twice two of those days. <laughs> <laughs> but <coughs> excuse me, you just never know who's going to sign up. You just never right. do. And, and a lot of times the opposite is true too. You, do you think there's people, Oh, that's guaranteed. Kurt's going to sign up guaranteed. And eh, I don't know. I don't know. I, uh, I already go to a gym and stuff. And so I would say offer it to everybody, especially the yeah. membership. You'll be shocked at how many people take you up on it. We always say, don't ever pre-qualify a patient, you know, whether that's for a treatment plan or add-ons or whatever, like put your clinical hat on, recommend what you would recommend to anybody, whether it's the richest man in the world or the most impoverished person in the world. Tell them with empathy that you're going to work your ass off to get them as well as they can in, you know, the, the shortest amount of time frame. And I mean, fitness really is the foundation of health, right? I mean, we were just talking about if, if we had more fit people, we would be more resilient, whether it's to anything. And, um, I think that, I think that we're seeing the shift now. I mean, especially with things like you're doing with clinic gym and, uh, just people being more empowered with information that, that fitness will be kind of the, the foundation, the pyramid. And, you know, uh, and I always tell people, I'll see you as many times as you want to see me, but we want to deliver the minimum therapeutic dose for the maximum therapeutic effect. And the best way to do that is to get your butt in that gym and become more durable. Yeah. I've said this quote many times, but it's my favorite Mark Ripito quote is uh, strong people are harder to kill and more useful in general. <laughs> yeah. I've been avoiding that specific quote, but yeah, we, uh, we use that interchangeably with some of our other studio gyms in yeah. town because yeah. yeah, more resilient, durable, harder to kill. It's all the same thing. And That's it doesn't right, matter yeah. Two daughters like me that I want to be harder to kill because they're going to have some boyfriends yeah. that I want to get later or what, but um, it is what it yeah, is. Or like, hey, if, what if there's a zombie apocalypse? You never know. Like, you ever watch those movies? It's rarely the twiggy little dude that survives, you know? So, never anyways. Tap, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, from a business perspective, this has been a, a, a marked improvement. Let's talk about clinical. Like, what are some of the high points clinically that you notice uh, have really improved by incorporating a gym? So I really wish that when I ran into one of my classmates back in 2012, that we would have uh, jumped on the Cairo bandwagon early because we would have had all of this data to like really, really tell you exact numbers. But I know over the years and I can look back at our statistics, I can tell you that in 2021 versus 2012, I'm probably, I'm probably recommending somewhere along the lines of four to six less visits clinically, uh, meaning seeing me and, and doing, you know, passive care, chiropractic manipulation, soft tissue, dry needling, instrument, whatever. Uh, primarily because of the way that we've incorporated our rehab in the last four years. I think that 
even when we weren't doing fitness well, we were still offering people really meaningful rehab and, and meaningful fitness opportunities outside of our office. Now, I mean, literally after your first day, so we have our, our new patient experience looks a little something like, you know, SFMA, MDT, whatever we need to do to get a good clinical picture. And then at the end of the day, we do a clinical audit and uh, we teach them to pressurize or centralize. Uh, so use their diaphragm to breathe, create some core stability, or try to take the ridiculous symptoms away. Day two is a report of their clinical findings, um, functional and clinical diagnoses, their home exercise program, a slightly more holistic treatment, but we still always do that clinical audit because that's important. We got to build value, prove value, and then show value long-term, right? Um, then day three and beyond, it's fitness. It's not banded external rotations anymore. If you have something going on with your shoulder, we're going to find your impairment level that we can work with within the four by four matrix. And then we're moving through that and we're doing it under load almost every time we, we very rarely do not load our patients from day two and beyond. And the entire goal is once they get to see Amy, whatever that is at visit four, six, eight, uh, we want them to be ready to do at least a four, two. So they should be able to stand and at least demonstrate the movement with on their own free will. Ideally a four, four, we want to see them resisted and moving by the time we get her or get them to her. So I think that, you know, not only utilizing these different systems, so long story short, it's shortened our treatment program or our treatment plan. It has increased the amount of time that we see people in between for regular maintenance care. Uh, and I would say the bell curve of our population still sees us every four to six weeks. But now we're seeing people push that out to quarterly, every two months, sometimes every six months. And the majority of those folks are either working with us or working with one of the gyms that we trust in town. I love it. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's funny. As you were talking, I was thinking, you know, the, the way it started for me is really, if you take the SFMA and the FMS, you can't get away from having the ability to exercise or whatever you want to call it, rehab or something. You need open space to do that. Whether it's rolling patterns and rows and pull-ups and, you know, basic stuff like that. Like you can't not have a gym. I just don't know how these clinics with, you know, where it's all individual offices, bam, 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 next to each other, or it's the big open adjusting bay with six tables in it. I'm like, how, what do you do? Like, do you just send people off and not, you know, you should rehab, but you don't do it. Right. So I hope everybody listening here, you know, we call the clinic gym hybrid, but really just having some open space is all you need. Like when I say gym, it's not, a bunch of equipment bolted to the floor. It's open space with some free weights, kettlebells, dumbbells, whatever you got. I mean, hell, sandbags would work. Uh, backpacks full of old books would work. It doesn't matter. It's just something that has some weight. Yeah. And I think the other deal too is everybody is so cost conscious. Like when I opened, and I know when you opened, because I've seen your facility, we didn't hold back. Like we spent a lot of money in build out. We spent a lot of money in equipment. And don't get me wrong, that's cool. It creates a very cool environment but you don't need anything. You need, you need a, you know, couple hundred square feet. You need, Dude, I swear to, I swear to God, every, almost every client I have like 30 to 50% too much on equipment. Right. Like we had a bunch of 10 pound dumbbell sets that we're just never going to use and just collected dust and held the floor down, you know? And so many patients I know, uh, I can think of one that has a, a, you know, has a squat rack. He has three of them. The the third one just gets used sparingly, if at all. It's really a storage area, and it's kind of the inside of it is like where they store some vertical stuff. And I'm like thinking, man, that's fifteen hundred bucks, two thousand bucks worth of equipment. Like, what are we doing here? Almost everybody I know has too much crap. <laughs> you know, so yeah. Um, all right. Well, I we're a little tight on time. So I want to kind of hit the fast forward button, but for oh. those people listening that are like, man, I dig on this. Let me ask you this question. This is total self-promotion here, but you know, you purchased one of our programs, you went through it. You, you also came to the super conference. How valuable was that information? I mean, it was a game changer as far as uh, being able to see through this brick wall of, I have a very successful chiropractic clinic 
systems should just fall into place because we've created so many of them for this. And then, I mean, literally I can almost, I want to say it's like page 16. I've looked at it so many damn times out of that super uh, clinic binder. Uh, It just says build fitness into your treatment plan. And it's that, it was that simple. Like that, that gear was worth the cost of the weekend, the travel, taking an extra person, hands down, like a no brainer. And don't get me wrong. It wasn't as simple as that because we did have a lot of systems and I could see through that, but I just needed that little key to unlock the door. For those of you who don't have systems, I mean, that's the easiest way to do it. I think you're trying to bring this conference back to Parker, correct? And uh, is it September? Uh, it got delayed a little bit. Yeah, but we're trying to to host another conference. I mean, I'll, I'll plug you shamelessly. Like this, that clinic or that conference specifically was one of the most influential for the rehab side of our practice. And honestly, I mean, if you really want to look at it holistically, it's obviously taken better care of our patients too. I mean, we're saving them money on the clinical side of things. We're saving some of their insurance dollars for you know, other stuff that they might have go on and we're transferring them into a, you know, a a monthly program that is going to literally change their lives. I mean, it's, it's a no brainer. Uh, I think the super conference was one of the most fun and Austin was a fun town. I think Parker and Dallas fun too. So um, I'll be there, you know, so long as it's a weekend that I don't have some family obligation, I'll be there for sure. Awesome. So uh, moving on from that, I mean, basically what you said is, buy our stuff, use our, our systems, use our processes, use our, our conferences, which I hope everybody took that to heart. And, you know, I mean, that's really why we do this. Uh, but all joking aside, you know, like uh, I'm being sarcastic there. Like I try and put this together because I just think this is the best setup for a clinic in the world. Like it's, it's more fun, more profitable, easier, systematic, and the patients get this incredible care and I know it probably sounds like I'm just trying to pimp our, our, our processes and our systems and everything, but I'm, I truly believe that. Um, right. But let's talk about this. It's not without fault. It's not without difficulty. It's not without stumbling blocks. So what were your top two stumbling blocks you encountered along the, the journey? You know, initially it was the, the vision of interesting i never would have guessed that would be the answer well the vision not in the way of patient care and and rehab but when i look at when i look at 1500 square foot of space i divide it in 10 by 10 rooms and i look at how much revenue i could generate with chiropractors full of that room because that's been our primary revenue generator for 11 years or you know at least prior to 2018 it was our primary revenue generator And, you know, currently the way that our model is, is chiropractic still more profitable? I don't know. I mean, I'd have to break down what the salary, what the benefits, what the continuing education that we pay for, all those other things, and then subtract that off of what that square footage is. I'm going to guess it's pretty darn close to even. And so then... I look at a new space, if I'm a new grad or a doc that's wanting to open their own business or somebody who's just wanting to do another location and how much money I can save and build out by not building all those walls at that 1500 square foot space, then generating the same revenue. That seems like a pretty profitable revenue cycle to me. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I always tell people like you can run a clinic by moving tables into a gym. Like you can have a totally open space that you can train people and put tables out. Now you have a clinic, right? And it sounds insane, but like having uh, curtains to divide the spaces up. <laughs> like right. I had that in my student clinic and it sucked. I thought it sucked. And now I look back and go, that was genius because it's a good use of open space. Right. So you can do that, but you cannot do the opposite. You cannot have 10 by 10 rooms and go, we're going to build a gym inside these three yeah. rooms. It just doesn't work though. It's too broken up, right? So if you're trying to keep costs down and also build a better business model, I think keep as much open space as you can. Right. You can always add a wall. I've helped a lot of the the members of the Clinic Gym Hybrid Group uh, design their space. And, you know, initially, uh, one of my buddies, Steve Sherman, did a really great job with his space. He, He built two rooms, which I think is smart. I don't care if you're a single provider or you've got three providers. I think having two private rooms is, is probably a safe bet. And then the rest should be open and modular. 
even if you have to have a wall between your reception area, put it on wheels or do a curtain or the fold away things. I mean, your space is your most equitable thing. And by the way, I mean, Josh and I have had this conversation many times, but when you're not in the clinic, your clinic can make you money. So the more open the space, the better, because people will rent that space for a premium. Uh, hotels are expensive. Conference rooms are expensive. You can get a pretty decent deal. I mean, you know, uh, Southwest sells all of their empty space on their airlines to FedEx because they're already going to Washington. Uh, they may as well take your packages and they're making money off their empty storage. So I think that having that open model is really important. If I look back at that first clinic that we built, we had 1200 square feet. Like I said, it was very square. Uh, by the way, square spaces are really hard unless they're really big. So look for more rectangular spaces. Just long rectangles know. are the best. Yeah, pro all tip. things being yeah, all things being equal. Yeah, but I would have rearranged that completely different. I could have had the backside completely open, and then a treatment room on one side, a treatment room on the other, a little reception in the front, and just running back and forth, and then between the gym, like. I, I see that vision through my head all the time. Same thing with the current space that we have. I love the feel and the vibe of our practice. I'm about 94% happy with it. And I think that if slash when we decide to change that model, that my next my next one will certainly trump what I have now. That's one. Um, let's see, vision. And then what's the other one? Um, what about the cost of getting it started or what you had to kind of give up in clinical income to do it? Or was there any, anything where it, it kind of changed the dynamic? You get really fortunate because I had some really turnkey players for trainers. I think that could be something. And we've seen this on the board. I think, uh, I think Andy's had some issues with, with getting a trainer in there and, and, keeping them engaged to their first like two hours of employment because everybody's like a hummingbird wants to go to the next bit of nectar. Um, but honestly, like if you can source the talent, which I do think, I think can be a crux, but again, higher personality before training this last, this last cycle. So I got to brag on my current trainer, Brandon. Um, he's absolutely killing it. He's been a personal trainer for a while. He's got some great certs, but the other thing Brandon has like Brandon and I would have been pretty close to best friends in high school. I'm guessing like he's just got a great personality. He's sarcastic. He gives people shit. They give it back to him. And it's just a lot of fun. And he's really good at working around people's impairments and giving them the bandwidth to fail, but then teaching them why they failed rather than just saying, Hey, activate this, do this. Can you drop your shoulder blade? Can you engage this glute? Can you get your foot tripod? He's not hovering over like a freaking lawnmower or helicopter parent. He's, he's giving people the ability to move and kind of find their movement. So anyway, I just wanted to say he's doing a great job. Um, but on the flip side of that, we hired his personality. We did not hire him because he was in an SDA CPT. We didn't hire him because he had this experience with a, with a group previously in Columbia that we really respected. We didn't hire him for those reasons. Those are cool resume boosters, but we hired him because he sent me a video of teaching. He had to play a fret on his guitar as part of his uh, interview process, which by the way, Josh, thank you. That's been one of our most valuable pieces of interview um, skill set acquisitions. So that's um, deep within the accelerator program, right? That's very deep. That's like module 17 of 43. I'm glad you got value out of it. <laughs> I did. Um, so, you know, aside from space talent acquisition, yeah, I, I think, being okay with being low tech. Um, all of us want to have squat racks and uh, Ultra G treadmills and all these rogue bikes. Those are neat. Those are cool. You can get that anywhere. Like you can go to any CrossFit box in the United States and you can get that. What you can't get is somebody who really, really knows their stuff, which they're going to learn a ton from you being a DC, a PT. Uh, ATC, whoever's running the gym uh, or the business itself, they're going to get a ton from the continuing education that you're going to help them out with, or at least direct them towards through FMS, CFSC. Uh, we could go on and on about the list yeah. of good stuff. And and I think just being okay with having some bands, some sliders, a few kettlebells. Uh, well, if you remember yeah. at the super conference, I mean, we gave you a full workout kit, right? Which right. Was 
slider band, mini band, and I can't remember what else, what else, what else we included. But the whole bag. idea was that, what's that? There was a bag. It was nice to hold everything yeah, in there. That's right. Uh, just like Crown Royal, right? You got to have that nice uh, velvet sack. Uh, but the whole idea was I'm a bourbon guy. (laughs) Like the overarching idea was we're in a tiny conference room with 15 people and we wanted to show like, Hey, in this small space with this minimal equipment that you can literally carry, I'm smaller than a backpack in a, in a woman's clutch, we can still give you a good workout. Oh, a tennis ball. There was a tennis ball in there too. And a foam roller. I think you guys said, no, no, the foam rollers are optional. I think, but regardless, yeah. And Brandon smoked us all in like what, 20 minutes. Um, yeah, I, don't, that. I don't even think it was like a 40 minute workout. It was, yeah. it was yeah. 20 minutes. And everybody's glutes were on fire. Uh, everybody's, I think foot was on fire cause he had us doing some kind of weird low lunch hold is awesome. Is, you know, eye opening, especially, you know, one of the things actually I do want to digress on, uh, chiropractors treat everybody like they're complete movement morons and they shouldn't. So very protective, right? Like the general chiropractor population is, you know, don't go run, don't go do this, don't do that. Trainers are the opposite, right? They're like, go do everything until you can't do it anymore. And one of the synergies that I really appreciate about the bond that the clinic chip hybrid model portrays is we get to meet in the middle and really have cognizant discussions about how we can make this person better. And uh, yeah, just who was it? I had a patient today that said that there was something that their physician said that they should never do again. And I was like, well, do you want to do it? Like, does it bring you a ton of value? Let's weigh the pros and cons. Is this, is this literally going to destroy your knee? Or is it going to create a challenge that you need perfect mobility and stability in every other joint to get your knee to be able to achieve this? And I think that's where we get to kind of be the, the guide, the Alfred of Batman, so to speak, of taking our patients through this experience. Because it's super easy to have a hip replacement and say, Hey Josh, um, just never do triathlons again and you'll be fine. That's the exact reason you had the damn thing repaired in the first place, right? Like you want to go out and do those things. Even if you can't run, could you do an aqua bike? Oh yeah. I mean, that's totally hip sparing. So people lack creativity in their advice of daily living these days. I think it's too easy to be restrictive versus proactive. Yeah, that's a good point. So Kurt, if you could go back and, uh, you know, start it all over again. Would you start with a gym? Would you start with a clinic? Would you start with a clinic gym hybrid? What would you do? You know, there you are graduating. Where'd you go again? Logan? You graduated yep. Logan in 1902 or whatever? Yeah. yeah, back when I had a beard just like D.D. Palmer did. Um, which been close, but not quite that good. Um, I would unanimously have a gym. My first three patients were a pro mountain biker, a pro triathlete, and a uh, just a pretty good runner, like let's say an elite amateur runner. And I saw them in the basement of the house that Chris and I were renting before we even opened the gym. I did have my license. Uh, I will digress. I did have my license. Um, but I look back at all of those impairments. So the mountain biker couldn't ride any longer than three hours, which he was a marathon. Uh, mountain bike racer. And so those are four five, six hours long uh, without like debilitating low back pain, SI pain. Uh, my triathlete had a crazy hip flexor issue and my runner, well, runners are all jacked up anyway. So they had everything, but mostly, mostly in the head, but, but oftentimes yeah. as well. Runners neurosis is a real thing, but long story short, I, I had, I was a, you know, I was a personal trainer and an athletic trainer before I went to school. I had a huge skill set that I could have delivered to them in the comfort of my own basement had I had, you know, maybe just the the insight, the wherewithal and and the vision to treat them from that standpoint. But I was a chiropractor and I was going to treat them chiropractor. And by the way, we got good results. I ended up coming into the mountain biker, he got an injection in his SI, everything was great. Uh, the triathlete went on to do some really cool stuff. The runner went on to do some really cool stuff, but I mean, my patients from day one were saying, Hey, we want this model and I didn't have it. And so then I created a generic space for my psychographic. Uh, you know, I was, I was involved in cycling my entire life. I still am. And I didn't create a space for me. I didn't create a space for them. That was stupid. I created a medical space that I thought was, akin to being a chiropractor. 
And, and then I'm out doing rehab in our lobby. That doesn't make sense. I want to do rehab. Why did I have a gym or an area PT bay, whatever you want to call it. So finally, when we moved to the, you know, the second space, I was like, ah, cool. I made it. I've got 15 by 15 to do whatever I want. And by the way, I could have done a lot more in that 15 by 15 square foot space. I know Josh has got clients that have killed it in 120 square foot or less with fitness, with small group classes and with recurring membership. So that's fantastic. I didn't have it though. And then by the time I met Josh in 2012 at my first SFMA seminar, and then I went out to see Biomechanics Las Vegas, I believe in 2014, that's when everything clicked. And I was like, okay, had we met, you know, four years prior, I would have started here. And actually, I wouldn't have started with Biomechanics Las Vegas because I think you had showers and you said no showers, right? Worst investment of my entire life. <laughs> I really appreciate you spending time with us today and kind of going over this. Um, what's the best way to get a hold of you if people have questions or they want to see the model in person or maybe an, a student wants to intern with you? Right. So you can go to www.focusonhealthchiro.com. Or you can reach out to me directly over email at drcurt at focusonhealthchiro.com. We'd love to have you out, whether you're a student or one to shadow, wanting to intern. Uh, Right now, we're placing our interns in the middle of 2022, I believe. And uh, yeah, we'd love to have those discussions. I mean, whether you want to look at a position in Columbia, Missouri, or whether you want to be teamed up with somebody that, that we trust or somebody that you just want to come learn from and then go open your own. Like we, we kind of have an open door policy as far as that's concerned. Too kind, baby, too kind. So, all right. Well, Kurt, I really appreciate the time today and I hope people do reach out and check out your place. Um, you're a great example of, of the success. And that's what we want to capture in this podcast. So I want to say thank you. And on behalf of uh, Kurt Kimberberger, this is Dr. Josh Satterley saying, go out there, maximize your license and live the life you dream of just like Kurt. Thanks a lot. Kurt. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of clinic gym radio. As always, this episode was brought to you by clinicgymconnect.com. What is Clinic Gym Connect? Well, it is a communication software that allows you to connect with your clients, communicate, market to them, follow up, provide amazing service, and help them fall in love with you even more than they already do. So if you are interested in all those things and people falling in love with you, you should probably check out clinicgymconnect.com. Once again, that's clinicgymconnect.com.